You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Okay, we're going to be in Genesis 49 uh, this morning. Genesis 49. And you're thinking, my Bible opens here automatically at this point. Um, this is our, our fifth time. It's kind of like when you, you know, you've taken a trip home from work so many times, you don't really remember the trip. Your Bible just kind of you know, plops open to Genesis 49. There's so much here, though. I mean, there's so much. Really, we could do a whole series, um, and we just about have, on Genesis 49. Just as a reminder, this is the deathbed seed, a scene of Jacob. Jacob has called his sons to himself, and he's, and he's giving them his final blessing. And as he lines his sons up, as we looked at last week, his sons are lined up around him, and he's going from one to the next. And as he does, some of his sons he rebukes because of their sin and because of their choices. And some of, their sons, of his sons he blesses because of their choices. And some of the sons are just kind of so-so. They don't, they, they have, maybe they're going to have some, some life success, but there's not really said much about them spiritually. And what we've tried to do as we go through this chapter is let us see that it's a picture of when you and I will stand before Jesus Christ and he lines us up and he judges us for the ways that we've lived our life. And some of us in this room, we will be rebuked because of the way we lived or haven't lived for Christ. Some of us will be blessed because of how we've lived for Christ. And others of us uh, may not have a lot to show for it. I mean, God says there's room for everybody in my kingdom, but there's just not a lot of reward. That's the idea that we're looking at, the picture we've been looking at in Genesis 49 to this point. And I hope that you're ready for that day in your life. I hope that you're ready for the day that you stand before Christ and answer for the way that you've lived. Because in that day, you will realize that is the thing most worth living for is that moment that you stand before Jesus Christ. And I want to look today at one of these sons that got what we'll call a well-done moment, meaning that his father looked at him and said, the way that you've operated is a well-done. I, I don't know about you, but that's what I want to hear my Lord say. Uh, I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Joseph certainly was a well-done moment kind of son here he got a well done from his father. Let's stand. Genesis 49, we'll be, begin reading in verse 22. And th- these are the words, the final blessing of, jo- of Jacob to his son, Joseph. And boy, it's so full here. Jo- it says in verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb." The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors under the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. I'm calling this morning's message today, 
Dad Lessons with Jacob. Dad Lessons with Jacob. And I know that Jacob wasn't a perfect dad, but he was a man of faith. And if you question that, read Hebrews 11. Jacob is included in Hebrews 11 for his actions in Genesis 49. Uh, He was a man of faith, and and I know he wasn't perfect, and, and not all of his sons became men of faith, but Joseph was a man of faith too. And, and I'd like to look at some lessons from Joseph, that, that Joseph learned, I believe, right here and in his life that he learned from his father, Jacob, because if my children could turn out anything close to being like Joseph, then I have something to learn from his father, Jacob. And today, again, the lesson or the message is this, dad lessons with Jacob. And I hope it'll be a help to us today. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, we are grateful that you love us and we're thankful. I I know we're looking at dad lessons, uh, lessons from a father to his son. And yet the the greatest father here is is you. And uh, you are the greatest father. You're the one who has the most to teach us. And and, uh, I'm thankful that you're my father. I'm thankful that, that you have adopted me and and made me part of the family, God. Help me never forget what it means to be the, the a son of the Heavenly Father. And God, help us then as we learn and, and look at these things from the life of Jacob and Joseph. And help us even as dads, but also just as parents and people that influence others to realize that our, the lessons that they see us live out are making an eternal difference in their lives. And we want to do that in a way that pleases you this morning. Bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm not sure I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Don't you love dad jokes? Some do. Um, If April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Pilgrims, that's right. You've heard it, okay. Now give me a break. Like Let me at least bask in the glow of of the uh, punchline. What state is known for its small drinks? Minnesota. Did you hear the one about the roof? Never mind, it's over your head. Stop it. (sighs) You know, dad jokes are great because they're equal parts cringy and cheesy. And and to me, the best dad jokes are the ones that make your kids want to look for a table to crawl under. Those are the best ones. And even though I used to roll my eyes at at my dad's jokes, I now find myself telling my kids, guess which jokes I tell my kids? The jokes that my dad used to tell me. I know it's silly, but the fact that I tell my dad's jokes is a testament to the impact he had on my life. And, And that's just one of the things. I know not everyone was raised by a dad or maybe even raised by a good dad by your standard or anyone's standard, but for those of us who were blessed to have a loving and present dad, I'm telling you this, it made a difference. And it's God's plan for dads to impact their children. And, and more than dad jokes, my dad taught me life lessons. He taught me how to fish. Or maybe I should say he taught me how to persevere when attempting to fish. He taught me how to throw a baseball. He taught me how to catch a football. And, and he would spend hours, we would, we would spend hours playing catch. He was trying to teach me the fundamental of those games. He taught me how to be tough. When I skinned my knee, he taught me that obedience is better than the consequences that he, w- he could give me. And I'm telling you, I learned that one quickly. 
You know, I still think that about my dad. I'm just being transparent. I still think about my dad when, when I make a big decision. He's one of the first people I call. I still think about my dad when I accomplish something that might be significant. And, and I think about his response to it. I think about my dad when I do something that I know he would be proud of. I'm thinking about my dad in those moments because his approval of me is etched into my soul. I mean, it's part of who I am. But the most important piece of the dad puzzle for me was not fishing and it wasn't trips or vacations. It wasn't throwing a baseball. Those things were great. But the most important thing that I learned from my dad was not something he said to me or something he taught a lesson to me on. It was the things that he did. See, he lived out the principle that God's blessings lead to the best life. When I saw the difference that living for God made in my dad, it planted in me a desire to follow God for myself. And if our children have a positive understanding of the difference that God makes in our lives, they will grow up thinking, that's the life I want. It doesn't only apply to dads. I mean, it applies to moms. You're raising children that are not just listening to your words, they're watching your life and they're, they're taking notes and, and on your life. It applies to single people. It applies to anybody that has somebody that you can influence. This is not just a message for dads today. It's for anybody that has a desire to influence somebody else. And I'm telling you this, you can live in such a way that you funnel God's blessings to the people around you. And I don't mean money, and I don't mean material things. I'm talking about funneling the blessings of the difference that God can make in our lives when we live for him. I want my children to see that living for God is the best life. I want them to see that giving to God reaps blessings and benefits for God. I want them to see that being faithful to God means that God will bless us and take care of us as we seek him first and he takes care of all the rest. I want my children above the words that I say and above the lessons that I teach. I want them to know, I want them to look at dad and say that's the life that I want to live. Amen. You know, it makes a difference when we funnel the blessings God has given us to our children. That's what jo Jacob is doing. Don't get used to that, though. God has made a difference in your life. If you're, if you're, if you're saved this morning, God has changed you. He's transformed you. He's given you a home in heaven. He's growing you. He's brought you from where you were. I mean, think about where you were as a young person or where you were when you first got saved to where you are right now. How could we live a day and all and look at the difference and think, well, God hasn't done a lot for me. I look back on my past and, and I think about the things that I've done and how, how regretful I, I am about them or how shamed I am about those things. And I think, God, thank you for giving me second chances. Anybody with a genuine encounter with God, the God of heaven, can only say, I'm better because of my heavenly father. And I have a responsibility to pass that along to the people that are watching me. So today's context 
is about dads because that's what the text is about. It's about a dad blessing his sons, but it applies to anybody with influence. You know, Jacob is imparting God's blessings to his 12 sons, but, and based on what we've studied in the last month or so, the oldest three, I mean, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, they miss God's blessings because of their sins. Uh, and, and Judah received the greatest blessing. He numbered the fourth son. He received the blessing of the Messiah. God promised to, to allow Judah's family to be that which produced Jesus Christ. And that is the greatest part of the blessing. I mean, that's the most important piece of all of this. But I want you to don't, don't lose sight of the fact that Joseph's blessing was pretty good too. It wasn't going to be through Joseph's family that Jesus would come, but he was blessed in a very special way, a significant way. If you read the verses about Joseph's blessing, verses 23 through 26, uh, the words bless or blessing are used five, uh, six times in those verses. And Judah may have received the ultimate blessing of the Messiah, but Joseph received the birthright. And if you'll remember, the birthright was to go to the oldest son. And does anybody remember what portion he got over the other sons? He got a double portion, which means that they would divvy it up. If there's 10 sons, they would divide it by 11, and then the oldest son would get two parts, and everybody else would get one part. So the oldest son got double the blessing by the right of inheritance. Well, Joseph is the only one in all of the blessings here that has his two sons receive the blessing, Ephraim and Manasseh. He got double the birthright, double the, the blessing of any of the other sons because of how he conducted himself. And, jo and Jacob saw that in his life and said, it's a well done. You're going to get a double blessing. When we think about uh, of blessings, when, when we think about these things that are being handed down, very often we assume that means something material. But I want to look at, though, at how a dad can bless his children in a lasting kind of way. Because, listen, there are some in here, and when you pass on, you can give your children maybe a million dollars. You could give your children a large amount of property and a great big house and, and maybe all the material possessions they could ever want. And I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful that God has blessed you in your life. But understand that those kinds of blessings aren't the ones that last the longest. And I'm grateful for those things, but there are more important blessings to bestow upon our children. And so really, in some ways, this is a lesson for dads and moms and anybody influencing somebody else because we want the next generation to know that the priority in life is not the material, it's the spiritual. So Dad, here's some lessons to teach your children and I want to make it simple today, but I think it'll be a help to us. Here's some dad lessons to teach your children. Number one, that a personal relationship with God matters most. A personal relationship with God matters most. Look at verse 24. I want you to notice these phrases here uh, that Jacob uses. Look at verse 24. Uh, but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of who? Jacob, it says. Are you reading along? I'll say it again. They were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father. You notice those three phrases? 
Jacob is talking about Joseph and blessing Joseph. And he uses these phrases. uh, uh, He's referring to himself. In verse 24, he says, the mighty God of Jacob. He says, the stone of Israel. His name is Israel. God, that's God's given name to him. He says, the God of thy father. Understand, that would be like me telling my son, I'm blessing him and saying, Jace, uh, listen, this is the God of, of, of thy father, Jason. He's the stone of, of Jason. He's the God, son, he's the God of thy father. And, and I know that each of those phrases say something about God And listen, we could, I mean, God is certainly mighty and God is strong like a stone. And in verse 25, Jacob says, the God of thy father who shall help thee and and by the almighty, that's the name of God, El Shaddai, that God is mighty, but he's also, he's also personal and he provides for each of us on a personal level. That's why Jacob uses the term breast and he uses the term womb because in many ways God, he, he is a, he's male, but in many ways he's like a mother in his concern and personal care for us because like a mother that holds a child and feeds a child and of herself gives that child sustenance, that's how God provides for us. And we could spend all kinds of time, we could spend a series on who God is based on these verses and what kind of power that he has and how personal he is. And it wouldn't be a waste of our time, that's for sure. But there's a point to be made in all this that we shouldn't miss, and that's this. For all that God is, and he is great. The reason this had an impact on Joseph is because that God was Jacob's God. The God of Jacob, the stone of Israel, the God of thy father. Listen, the greatest blessing that you could give your children is for them to know that God isn't just the God of the universe. He's the God of you. He's your God, not just in name, but in practice. And I think we're kind of big on, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I serve God. Yeah, he's my God. But listen, we can say that in front of our children and we can name drop God in front of our children. But that doesn't leave the kind of mark that it does when they see that God making a difference in our daily life. It's not God in name only. It's God in practice. It's God behind the steering wheel. That's when he's my God. He's my God when I'm on my recliner at home. He's my God when I'm hitting the remote buttons. He's my God when I'm talking to their mom. He's my God when I'm talking to them. He's my God when I'm thinking about going to church or not. He's my God, not in name and not in tradition and not just because I received him, uh, uh, my my title my label from my parents but because he makes a difference in my daily life every day he's not just kids I want you to know this is what I want my kids to see he's not just God in name he's God in practice he makes a difference in my daily life because my relationship with God is the most important thing in the whole world to me that should be our message to our children We want them to know that he's not just a God in name. He's not a God in theory. He's a God in practice. And if you're wondering if your God is your God, if your children would say, oh yeah, he's the God of my father, I just want you to think about your daily time with God. Dads, we can say that he's our God. He's my God and I have a relationship with him. 
But dads, your children need to know that you spend time with them every day. And I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm not telling you when to do it. I'm not telling you to make a spectacle of it. And I know everybody kind of arranges their Bible with their coffee and takes a picture and puts it on Instagram. And, you know, it says, hey, just my daily time with God. And I'm not saying, I mean, you can do that if you want. I'm not saying do that. I mean, you don't want to see me with my daily time with God. My hair's messed up. That's why I don't post it. I'm not saying make a spectacle of it. I'm saying, though, make a habit of it. Because way more important than posting about it on, on social media is that when my kids wake up in the morning, they know that dad spent time with God. And they know where dad's going to be. And they know that, yeah, first thing dad does, I know he's going to spend time with God in the morning or in the evening, whatever it is, he's got a daily time. And listen, I'm simply asking, do your kids know that you have a relationship with God and you work at it even when nobody's watching? Think about, is God your God in your time in God's house? Yeah, this is, gonna, this is kind of going by the wayside in our culture, in our country, isn't it? This generation is the least church generation our nation has ever seen. You know why? Because the previous generation minimized the importance of going to God's house. And you can give however many reasons that you think are valid for that decision, but you cannot get away from Ephesians 5 that says Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I mean, Jesus Christ loves this place. He loves when a group of believers assemble and glorify and worship him and sing praises to him and gather and grow and fellowship and encourage each other. That means a lot to him. I mean, he died for it. This institution is something that he loves that much. For us to minimize or downplay the role that God's house plays in an individual's growth is to minimize something that Christ loves so much that he died for it. And I, I won't get into all of it and make the case this morning. I think you know and you understand. Most of you do. You know, we don't need church less. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, we need the church more as we see the day approaching. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is. So much the more. Dads, you say church is a priority. But what percentage of weekly services do you attend? I mean, Sunday morning, that's 33%. And I don't know about you, but if my kids brought that test home, uh, that test score home, I wouldn't be happy. I mean, they, they, well, I'll say on Sunday nights, and I come on Sunday nights, but sometimes, you know, things come up Wednesdays or we're busy. That's 67%. I mean, let's really just examine it. If Jesus Christ gave us all for it, and I'm thinking 33% is enough. Jesus Christ gave his life for it. That doesn't, to me, that doesn't sound like 67% doesn't sound like enough. If Jesus Christ gave 100%, well, I'm willing to give 100%. And really, he's asking for, what, four or five hours out of a whole week? That's not 100%. That's a very small percentage of the total amount of time that he gives me through the week. And listen, I, I, I'm not trying to just make everybody feel bad this morning. I'm trying to say, if we're going to send a message to the next generation, they need to see that our relationship with God is what matters the most to us. If we're going to bless our children with the right lessons, we need to show that church matters because our relationship with God matters most. And we need to say it matters enough. I'm not going to miss church unless I just really have to. It matters so much to me that, that I'm going to sit with my family. When we come to church, we're going to prioritize coming and serving together. And, and, and it matters enough that we're going to even go to Sunday school. Now you're getting it really extreme, Pastor. 
Sunday school? No, it matters enough that a sniffle or snow won't keep us away. If you live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, especially this winter, you're going to have to make that decision. Snow, snow, snow. Listen, if you're a biblical disciple, the things that contribute to your walk with God should matter the most. And not just because it affects you, but because the next generation is watching us. That's the greatest blessing you can give your children. I'm telling you, the greatest thing that my children could ever say of me is that, that their God is the God of their dad. That it's not just empty words. It's not just, it's not just a label for my dad. It's personal for him. He has a relationship with God. I catch him praying. I catch him reading his Bible. I see him going to church and prioritizing the things that I think are saying, yes, my relationship with God matters the most. He's the God of my dad. He's the God of my mom. And I know our kids could say, well, my parents aren't perfect, but, but I want them to say that God is clearly number one in their dad's life. Next dad lesson from Jacob is this, that life is best viewed through God's lens. That life is best viewed through God's lens. Look at verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow, his bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. I mean, these are really neat verses, but the idea that he's saying, he's saying in verse 23, basically that the archers have sorely grieved him, that they shot at him, they hated him. And the idea is that Joseph lived his whole life with a target on his back. I mean, from the time he was young, and, it was, and Jacob might as well made him that coat of many colors, and on the back of it, put a big old target with a red, a red dot in the middle of it. Because in many ways, that coat became a target. And from the time Jake, Joseph was small, it was clear he was Jacob's favorite. He was targeted. I mean, when his brothers uh, saw him coming that day over the hill, they, they took aim. Here comes an arrow. They sold him to the Midianites. Here comes an arrow. He was put in a Potiphar's house and did right, and yet she accused him falsely. Here comes another arrow. I mean, arrow shot after arrow shot. I mean, over and over, Joseph had arrows coming at him, uh, but nobody blocked the arrows like Joseph, or nobody ignored the arrows, because in verse 24, it says, but this, his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever shot a bow, um, but if you ever have, I mean, you, you know, the, a, certain, a bow of a certain strength is too much for a little guy to, to pull back. You know, and Richard, Richard, can you come up here real quick? Richard wanted to come sit in big church today. But, you know, uh, what I want you to do, Richard, for me is just come stand right here. And can you pretend to shoot a bow? There you go. Now let it, let it fly. Boom! Where did you, where, what did you hit back there? Um, I hit the TV. The TV, yeah. Kill that TV. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Do it again one more time. Let's see your, see your pose. Boom! There you go. Okay, now let's say I give him a big compound bow that's too heavy for him to pull back. Now I'll try it and you can't pull it back. You're trying really hard. So put your arm out and you're just trying really hard. Oh, yeah. Trying really hard. So, okay, here's the picture. God says, or Jacob says that J Joseph had all these arrows shot at him. And Joseph had his own bow and arrow. But there were times that Joseph didn't have strength to shoot it. So what does it say that God did? God came around him and he grabbed this part of the bow and he grabbed the string and he pulled it back for him. And then he let it fly. 
bullseye. There goes the TV again. <laughs> Pulled it back. Joseph, you know, there were times when Joseph was in prison. He's like, I can't pull it back. I can't do it again. And God put his arm here and his arm here, pulled it back, let it fly, and gave him the strength every day to do what Joseph couldn't do on his own. Thanks, Richard. Good job. And he's like, we rehearsed it, but we didn't. That was pretty impressive. That's what God did for jo Joseph daily. He didn't have the strength. And, and listen, we have, the, we, we have arrows shot at us. I mean, it's New Testament in imagery about Satan and the fiery darts. He shoots at us. He wants to take us down day by day by day. And God gives us our own resources. And he gives us our own bow and our own arrow. But there are going to be days you wake up and you're like, I can't pull it back today. I don't have the strength to withstand this. I don't have any energy to fight anymore. And what I love about it is as we submit to God and humble ourselves and are dependent upon him, he wraps his arms around us and he grabs the bow and he grabs our hand and he pulls it back forward and he allows us to release it because he, he doesn't want us to fail. He's not going to leave us alone. I mean, in the day you may be going through a trial in your life and you don't know where you're going to gain the strength, but God is always strong enough to pull that bow back for you. And Jacob is reminding Joseph that even though it wasn't always obvious, God was working. God was helping him. And listen, that lesson needs to be passed on to our children. I love this point. I, don't, I want to spend a lot of time on it, but we're going to move. Too many parents come swooping in to protect their children from life's difficulties and challenges. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we let our children play in busy streets. I would, that would be foolish. But I am talking about the daily things of life that come along in our lives. Sometimes we can be lawnmower parents. And we, we lawnmower, go before our kids and mow down every obstacle so they never have any difficulties. But understand if we protect them from every injustice and every wrong word and every treatment that's unfair, we aren't teaching them to trust God to take care of life's problems when mom and dad aren't around someday. And it's okay, listen, it's okay if your child gets left out of something. And if you take offense and let them play the victim, you haven't taught them that life isn't fair. And, and sometimes we have to let God take care of the things that we want to just rush into. But we are short-circuiting the plan of growth that God has for our children. Listen, every child gets made fun of and every child gets their feelings hurt. And listen, if my, my kids have been on the wrong end of that and when they are, man, I deal with it with them. But I don't deal with it every time somebody does it to them because I want them to grow up and understand mom and dad won't always be around, but you have a God who is sovereign and he can help you deal with those things. If you'll just trust him, those things are in God's hands. And if, when life gets hard when they're adults, I don't want them to call me every time something happens at work that they don't like. I want them in their relationship to God to handle those things on their own. That's what part of my job as a parent is to teach them. Here are three lessons from God's perspective that Joseph learned from his father. And the first is that very point, suffering is not always fatal. Suffering is not always fatal. Sometimes we think it is, right? We think, if man, if it's hard, I'm done. This is, it's over. I cannot survive this. No, Joseph dealt with awful treatment. But because he was a young man of faith who never took his eyes off God, he survived and even thrived. 
in a pit, in a palace, in prison, forgotten. Joseph proved that suffering can bring about God's good in our lives. So parents, stop trying to prevent our children from difficulties. Don't act like that hardship is fatal. If your response is one of faith, God can help your child grow. He can even turn that suffering into blessings. Archers may be sorely grieving you. That's part of life. Shooting at you, hating you. But if you will view life through God's lens, you can remain standing strong. Suffering isn't always fatal, number one. Here's another lesson that in all of this, that through God's lens, what we can teach them. Suffering's not always fatal. Um, number two, success is not always material. I mean, verse 22, Jacob called Joseph fruitful. He said, you're a fruitful bough. And, and I was thinking about that, that imagery there. I think about a vine. You know, he's a fruitful uh, bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. I mean, you think that's only speaking materially? You think that Jacob is literally saying that, Joseph, you're going to grow, grow vines out of your head. <laughs> and they're going to just kind of shoot up and start to go over the wall? No, he's not talking materially. He's talking spiritually. You know, he's talking about spiritual blessings. In verse 26, he says the blessings are unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. I mean, that's everlasting blessings, meaning that the, bless, the best blessings, folks, the best blessings in life are not material blessings. Success is not always material. It's a good lesson for our children to learn that money and a great job aren't all there is to life. You can have all the material wealth in the world that you want. If you don't know the Lord, none of it matters. And this morning, if you've come in this morning, I just want to say, if you've come and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you can do that this morning. He died on the cross for your sins in your place. If you place your faith in him and receive him as your savior, turn from your sin and to him only. Say, you are the only option I have. I have no other choice to heaven but you. He can save you this morning and he wants to. You know, success is not always material. You can have everything you'd ever wanted, but if you don't know the Lord, it doesn't matter. On the flip side, you can have very little in this life, but if you have a real walk with God, and heaven calls you an eternal success. Don't drive your children to think money is all that matters. Morals matter, spirituality matters, character matters, your walk with God matters. So suffering is not always fatal. Success is not always material. And third, in this looking through God's lens, here's another truth. Strength is not always physical. Strength is not always physical. When Jacob was talking about bows and arrows, he wasn't saying Joseph literally was shooting bows and arrows. No, what he was saying is that God was giving Joseph spiritual strength to withstand the temptation and face hardships even when he was by himself. And we have too many dads and moms teaching their kids that shooting a basketball or catching a football is the most important thing in life. Listen, physical strength matters and, and, and it's important and take care of yourself. But a strong man without the ability to say no to temptation will not get far in life. The best strength to teach our children is spiritual strength. If you want to teach your children lessons to view life through God's lens, teach them that suffering is not always fatal, teach them that success is not always material, and teach them that strength is not always physical. Third lesson, that dad lesson from Jacob I want to give you this morning is this, to, to be aware of their strengths and weaknesses. We need to teach our children to be aware of their strengths and weaknesses. 
I mean, think about Joseph's or Jacob's insight through this chapter. I mean, he goes through and he starts with Reuben. And he says, Reuben, you're not going to get the blessing uh, because you're an angry man. No, because you're a lustful man. And, and that moment that you went into your father's concubine, it cost you everything. He looks at Simeon and Levi. He says, the reason you're not going to get the blessing is because you were angry men. And you went into Shechem and you wiped out the whole village. And you took them out really for, because of one man's actions to, to re, you know, revenge, get revenge for your sister Dinah. But what you did was just so far over the top. You're not going to get the blessing for it. He goes down and get, looks at Judah. He knows Judah's past, but he also knows Judah's repentance. And how Judah, uh, because of his response to his sin... Uh, he received the blessing of the Messiah. Then he goes, I mean, he goes one by one, every son, uh, right down the line like we looked at last week. And he has insight into every single one of them. Some were given their strengths. Many were told their weaknesses. And all were given insight by a present dad who saw them clearly. Now listen, he was blind. But he saw his sons clearly. He knew who they were and he knew what they were. He knew the kind of men they were. And he looks at Joseph here and he says, Joseph, you're a fruitful bow. And he's saying, because you've learned these lessons, you've become fruitful. You've made a difference. You've made an impact. And what I love about this part of the lesson is if we're going to, dads, a lesson that we ought to teach our children or be aware of in our children is we ought to always be aware of their strength and strengths and weaknesses. We ought to be honest about who they are and what they're good at and what they're not good at. Dads, let me just tell you this. Know your children. See, I had a dad recently ask me about helping one of his kids with something. And, and I recommended that he take some time with, this, with his child, an older teenager, and, and take some time and just say, we're going to go do this. We, I know you like this. We're going to just go, just you and me, and spend time and do this thing that you really like. And I'm not criticizing this dad, and he's a good dad, but he said, I don't really even know what she likes. I wouldn't even know, really know where to start. And I, so I started giving him examples of, of my own children and say, well, now I know this one. If it was this daughter, I know she would like this, and I would probably do this with her. If it was this daughter, I would take her here and do this just to spend time. If it was this daughter, I would do this. If it was this daughter, I would do this. If it was Jace, we'd go to Menards and hang out. That's all he cares about. Just go walk around and, yeah, they're tool. Yeah. I don't know what it does, but it looks manly, you know? It's, you know and I, I'm not criticizing that dad. He's a good dad. But what I am saying is dads, I think there's been a lot of dads kind of just leave the raising of our children up to, the, up to our wives. And we think, well, that's their responsibility. That's their, that's their area. And we don't know our children but how are we going to raise our children and help them with the things that they really need? Because, dads, you are responsible, according to Deuteronomy 6, you are responsible for, responsible for the moral education of your child. It's your responsibility. So how are we going to know what they need if we don't know them? And what I'm saying is, dads, spend time with your kids. Know them, understand what they like and what maybe their, their strengths are and what their weaknesses are and know what their strength is, encourage their strength, give them resources to develop this strength, be positive about it, celebrate it. It's okay, dads, to celebrate something that your child does well and I think that's, that, that one's easier for parents because we like it when our kids do well. We get excited when, when they succeed, and, but the one that's harder is this, is to know their weaknesses and warn them about their weaknesses. Don't assume the best of your kids. I mean, I, I, they're sinners. 
I know some parents in here are like, oh, I can't believe you would say that. <laughs> no, I mean, love them, support them. Nobody's in their corner like a mom and dad are, but not to the point that you don't see their need for training and discipline. No child has ever been born perfect except Jesus. So parents, don't be defensive about your kids. They have weaknesses. Help them. And it's easy just to be frustrated when they fail, but it's your job to help them see the wrong and take steps to make it right. Don't beat them up over and over about their failures. Train them on how to do it better. It requires knowledge. It requires time. It requires care and commitment. You must know your kids. You must take time with each. Don't just ask your wife to tell you about them. No, take time yourself. Spend time weekly if you can. Ask questions. Take one of them to lunch. Take one of them to coffee. If you've got large family, schedule time with each monthly if you need to it's your job to train and discipline and you cannot train and discipline unless you know your child so what's the result of these dad lessons well what I love about these lessons is that Joseph became a fruitful bough because of it Joseph was like a tree was drawing water from a spring and even in difficulty it says his branches ran over the wall you know what that means? Joseph was so fruitful in life that he touched the lives of people around him. Sometimes we get to the place where, you know, if our kids can just, hey, this is the corner you live in. If you just grow right there and just do what you're doing, don't worry about everybody else. Just do what you're doing, grow, become the best person you can be, make money, get that job, whatever it is, you just do what you're supposed to do. We're content if they stay over here. But, but you know, the best impact that we can ask for our children is that they are so fruitful spiritually that their branches start to go up over the wall and the people around them start to get touched with their fruitfulness. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I, I look at the difference that God has allowed me to make in this or that, and I think I don't want my kids to be limited to that. I want them to go way beyond me. I want them to be more than I've ever been. I want them to do more than I ever did. If you want to raise children that make a difference in the world around them, they need more than dad jokes. And they, more than, they need more than TV time with dad. They need lessons, and the best lessons are caught, not just taught. They need to see us walk with God. And they need to see us view difficulties through God's lenses. And they need to watch us be open about their strengths and weaknesses. But not just theirs. Moms and dads, they need to see us be open and honest about our strengths and weaknesses. Uh, we can't really help them with their strengths and weaknesses if we never admit that we have weaknesses. Listen, when we mess up, and you will mess up in front of your children. When you mess up in front of your children, ask them for forgiveness. Say, you know what, dad was wrong. Shouldn't have said that or shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me for it? And that'll give them respect for you because you're willing to say, hey, listen, I'm in the same boat you are. I'm not a finished product either. God's still working on me. And that will open the door, I believe, for you to help your children and help them become what God wants them to be because they know that mom and dad are honest. As they learn these lessons, God is going to bless them with branches that go over the wall. Listen, these are the kind of lessons that help our children make a difference in their generation. And I want that to happen. So that was first, it made Joseph fruitful. But in verse 26, it also, uh, it also gave jo J Joseph more than what Jacob got. And by that I mean, Jacob said in verse 26, basically, I'm leaving you with more than my father gave me. And dads, that should be our heart. Not just that we leave our children with what we got from our dads. 
but that we leave them with more than we got from our dads. I want my children, listen, I got a lot from my dad, so I've got a lot to live up to. But I want my children to have more from me spiritually than I got from my dad. That's a tall order, but it makes me want to live a lot better. See, here's the idea. We ought to equip our children to give their children then more than what we gave them. And it's a multiplication effect. I give more than I got. They give more than they got. And in a couple of generations, man, we are raising children that are making a difference in this world. The only way for God's blessings to perpetuate is for dads to teach their kids the spiritual lessons of life. And if we do it right, we're not going to give them the bare minimum. We're going to be giving them so much, they're going to leave their children with more than we gave them. Listen, here's the question. Do you want to bless your kids or not? As a mom or a dad, as a, as a single person without kids, you want to make a difference in the next generation, the people watching you. You want to bless the next generation? Do you want the next generation, you want your children to get more from you than you got from your parents? Do you desire that your kids give more to their kids than you give to them? And if your answer is yes, then it's time to teach them some lessons. Not just physical lessons, I'm talking spiritual lessons. And not just words, and not just a label, but that they look at us and they know that God's made a difference in our lives. That a relationship with God is first. Before mom, dads, it's, it's, it's before mom. You say, oh, I can't believe you'd say that. No, if my walk with God is right, my relationship with my wife is sweeter than it could ever be without God. God is first. My relationship with God is first before my wife. It comes before work. It comes before my hobbies. I want them to see that played out both at home and at church, that my walk with God is first. I want them to see this lesson that, that, I, that I view God's, view suffering through God's lenses. That suffering doesn't have to be fatal, that success is not always material, and that strength is not always physical. I want them to have those mindsets. I also want them to know that, our, that, that I know them well enough that I can help them with their strengths and be aware of their, their weaknesses. You know, our kids are going to learn life lessons from somebody. You know that? I mean, they're going to they're learn it from somebody. Somebody's going to teach them how to respond to suffering. And I'd much rather it be dad than social media. Somebody's going to teach our kids, um, you know, how to, how to have a, a prioritize the right relationships. And I'd read, much rather it be dad than their peers. Somebody's going to teach our, our kids about their strengths and to ignore their weaknesses. And dad needs to be the one teaching those things because their friends are going to ignore them. You know, it's better that my kids learn the lessons than, from me than social media or their peers or their schools, schools. From the media. It's better that they learn it from me than even themselves. So how are you managing the classroom of life? I mean, because Jacob was teaching lessons to Joseph that made a difference. Not just for Joseph, it literally preserved their whole family. It made a difference for eternity. And I'm just wondering how many dads and moms are prioritizing the lessons they teach their, their kids. You know, we're really good at teaching them life lessons about saving money. You know, protecting yourself physically, taking care of yourself getting a good education, how to manage time. But who are they going to learn the spiritual lessons from? If they're not getting those at home, 
They're going to learn those things from somebody else. And I can tell you this, it's not going to be the same level as a mom and dad could be. So it's time, dads, it's time for us to prioritize the spiritual things. And I know Jacob wasn't perfect, but he was a man of faith. And Joseph uh, caught some things from Jacob. I'm telling you, Joseph had to have caught some things from Jacob for, to, to, to spend 13 years like he did and maintain his faith. He had to get something from Jacob. I'm telling you, I want my kids to have that kind of faith. And they're going to have to see it in dad, not just by a label and not just by a claim, but in my daily life that God is my God and he's making a difference. This morning, let me just, you know, real quick say, if you've never received Christ as your savior, you can never say that God is your God. I mean, you can claim it, but it won't ever be real. You must repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus Christ alone, humble yourself before him and say, I can't do this on my own and, and receive him as your savior this morning. You can be saved and then your children can say, oh yeah, yeah the God of heaven is my dad's God. It's my mom's God. And I know it because I've seen it. I hope that you'd be willing to submit to that this morning. Anybody can walk out of this room saved if you've come in unsaved. But Christian, if you've come in this morning and you know you haven't been doing the things you ought to do to prepare the next generation for the spiritual lessons of life, maybe it's time for us to get on our faces and ask God to help us to become better. Like maybe Jacob did, to teach our kids the life lessons they need that make a difference the most. Let's stand together. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.